Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, March 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. J.P. Morgan Chase Chief Executive Jamie Dimon undergoes heart surgery. The coronavirus hits struggling Chinese ride-hailing group Didi Chuxing, and Exxon's chief executive writes off carbon emissions targets as all for show. Plus, OPEC reached a preliminary agreement on Thursday to cut oil output by one and a half million barrels a day because of the impact of the coronavirus. But first, Treasury yields hit record lows yesterday. The FT's Colby Smith will have more on what this means for banks. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. It was a pretty nasty day on on Wall Street. You had uh, U.S. equities falling more than 3%. Amongst those stocks, it was really banks that were the worst hit. So the likes of J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, they all fell roughly 5%. It was a pretty sizable move. And at the same time, you had Treasury yields falling to, to record lows. So earlier this week, we had an emergency rate cut from the Federal Reserve. Right. So they reduced interest rates about half of a percentage point. So there was a lot of concern that central banks don't necessarily have a grip on the coronavirus outbreak and the economic fallout that comes from that. And there's this idea that the Fed and other central banks need to do more in order to kind of help shore up the economy as this outbreak worsens. Let's go back to banks for a second. Why did their stocks drop so much on Thursday? So falling government bond yields and and yields in general tends to weigh on banks' profit margins. And so when the Fed is cutting interest rates as well, and markets are expecting that we'll have additional cuts, not only later this month, but also in April, it means that bank profit margins are going to stay under pressure for a considerable amount of time. So that's why it really cropped up in banks here, because they have to navigate in in this very low interest rate environment. And, you know, you wrote a really interesting analysis earlier in the week, basically asking what would life at zero look like? Um, What would that look like? So it's a difficult one for investors. You know, the idea of 10-year Treasury yields below 1% is a novelty, really. Much of that is hinges on where policy rates are. So the Fed, as they think about where monetary policy is heading, they're very close to the zero lower bound, meaning policy rates are very close to being just at zero here. What that does is it puts downward pressure on yields. And so a lot of investors, this really ramps up their appetite for a riskier assets and riskier corners of the markets because that's where returns are. And so when you have treasuries yielding close to zero or one percent, you know, it just ramps up this desire for for something that's a little higher yielding. And late yesterday, we learned that J.P. Morgan Chase chief executive Jamie Dimon had emergency heart surgery in the morning. The bank said Mr. Dimon had an acute aortic dissection but was recovering well. The 63-year-old has led J.P. Morgan for 15 years. Co-presidents Daniel Pinto and Gordon Smith will take the reins during Mr. Diamond's recovery. Mr. Diamond was treated for throat cancer six years ago, but is a non-smoker and exercises regularly. He experienced chest pains on Thursday and went to the hospital in New York. The bank said the surgery was successful. And now let's turn to China, where one company is feeling the effects of the coronavirus and the subsequent travel restrictions especially hard, Didi Chuqing. You see, Didi is one of SoftBank's biggest bets. The Japanese group has sunk nearly $11 billion into the company. 
Didi now controls more than 90% of China's ride-hailing market after buying out rivals, including Uber's local operations. And it was valued at $56 billion back in 2017. But the company struggled to make a profit even before the coronavirus hit. Executives had hoped 2020 would be a turning point. Now, with the outbreak, the company is having a hard time finding customers willing to travel. Last month, 50 cities and counties suspended Didi's main ride-hailing service to prevent the spread of the virus. About two dozen are still suspended. Active users on Didi dropped by more than half in the month after the Chinese government acknowledged the outbreak. Drivers in Beijing say they have been waiting hours before they get a passenger. But there could be some better news on the horizon. With people slowly returning to work, Didi says trips were up more than 30% in some major cities in the past week. And ExxonMobil's CEO is resisting climate pressure. At the company's annual investor day in New York on Thursday, Darren Wood said rivals that were setting firm carbon emission targets were engaging in a, quote, beauty competition, and he'd rather avoid it. Instead, he highlighted Exxon's technology initiatives, including biofuels and carbon capture and storage. Exxon's European counterparts have made commitments to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide they emit. The largest U.S. oil company reaffirmed a plan for $30 billion to $35 billion in capital spending in each of the next five years. Most of that will go toward big oil and gas projects from the U.S. Permian Basin to Papua New Guinea. ExxonMobil's shares fell about 4.5% on Thursday to $50.11. It's close to the lowest price in 15 years. And here's a story you should know more about. As the coronavirus spreads around the globe, expectations of oil consumption are taking a hit. In early February, executives at some of China's biggest refineries expected that oil consumption in the country would plunge by 25% last month. Around the same time, Brent crude shed more than 20% of its price, what traders consider a bear market. After getting as high as $70 a barrel in January, yesterday it clocked in at around $50 a barrel. The FT's senior energy correspondent, Anjali Raval, has more on the full effects of the coronavirus on oil prices and production. So any incident like this that would impact the global economy, how people travel, how people work, how industry is basically shut down, that's obviously going to have a huge impact on the oil market. And, and the estimates have changed so much even in the last month alone. You had estimates from companies such as BP saying that demand growth that was meant to be well above 1 million barrels a day would be sliced by 400,000 barrels a day. But now we're in a situation where actually some of the biggest oil traders out there, VTOL, Trafigura, Gunvor, among other major participants in the oil market, are warning that if consumption continues to contract and if the virus is not contained more rapidly. There could be sharp cuts to the forecasts even further. And global oil demand growth may even be completely flat in 2020. And some people are even saying it may contract this year. What they're expecting is that global oil demand growth could fall to the weakest levels since the financial crisis. This is the level we're talking about and the significance of what we're seeing today. So, Angelia, on Thursday, OPEC met and came to a preliminary deal to cut oil production. What conclusions did they come to? So OPEC countries alone 
have met and they've agreed that an additional 1.5 million barrels a day of cuts are going to be necessary for the second quarter. 1.5 million, I guess, is determined by the group of countries as a sizable reduction that in some ways will, in their view, stem any major falls in the oil price. Now, this is yet to be seen. Some traders still believe even that might not be enough. But they're gathering in Vienna this week to do something sizable because they see that the oil market is hugely oversupplied, prices are falling, we're around $50 a barrel, and they need to do something quickly. And how could this potential cut affect oil in the long run? I think it completely depends on, one, how the market responds to a potential 1.5 million barrel a day production cut. It could also be that if the outbreak of the virus gets worse, if global demand takes an even bigger hit, it may be that it's not even remotely enough. Remember that there were concerns about oversupply even before the coronavirus outbreak. And so all of this is compounding into this situation that we see today. The fact that producers agreed to meet in March in the first place is an indicator of this. Normally, OPEC meets twice a year, around June and again around in December. And in December, it was clear that some more negative situation could have been brewing. And that's why they agreed to schedule a meeting for March. So there were already concerns out there. And now the coronavirus outbreak has created an even more bearish situation. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasek. We also had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.